This is a fun episode we've got locked and loaded for you today because we are going to deal with all of the teams outside of that major seven conference structure. And there's no shortage of teams that should be really good, NCAA tournament good, and a threat to win a game or two in the big dance once we get there. So I hope you enjoy. It's almost an hour-long discussion I've got with GP. But before that, a heads up, we've got some news, some podcast news. If you go to the description of this episode on whatever device you're listening to, this will be true of all the episode descriptions going forward as well. We are going to YouTube. Yes, it's true. Bold, brave trailblazers here. We're going to be the first college basketball podcast, I believe, that's ever gone to video. Don't fact check me on that. We're obviously excited for this. The show is going to be on YouTube going forward. Our first episode will be next Monday. Yes, you're going to get to see GP and I, our lovely faces, and our office backdrops, all that good stuff. And wow, this is a very fun and long overdue arrival. But we'd love if you wanted to watch. Watch in real time. Episodes will be live. You can continue to watch if this is your preferred method. Of course, that would be wonderful. But subscribe on YouTube to Ion College Basketball. The link is in this podcast description. We cannot wait to see you there. All right, now let's get to it. We got a lot of teams from a lot of leagues, mid-majors and otherwise, to get to. Let's go. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Tuesday, November 2nd, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And today we're going to spend a few minutes discussing some notable teams from outside of what are typically the top seven conferences in college basketball. Because we focused on those leagues in the previous seven episodes. We did the American, the ACC, the Big East, Big 10, Big 12, Pac-12, and the SEC in that order. If you missed any of them and you're interested, go find them. So uh, now we move on to the other good, notable teams outside of those leagues. And naturally, any list of notable teams from outside of those seven conferences we've already previewed has to start with Gonzaga. The Zags are preseason number one everywhere, best I can tell. They're the betting favorite in the betting markets. They have the preseason national player of the year in Drew Timmy. They have the number one prospect in the class of 2021, according to 24-7 Sports, in Chet Holmgren. They got Andrew Nimhard, who is 21st on our list of the top 101 college basketball players in the country this season, which means Gonzaga is the only school with three players in the top 21. The Zags have experience. They have NBA talent. They, on paper, have what it takes to win what would be the first national title in school history. So, Deadleg, let me start by asking you this. I know you like the Zags. Basically, everybody likes the Zags. But do you have any concerns? In other words, if they don't meet expectations, what will be the reason? Hmm. Good one to lead off with. If they don't meet expectations, can we, let's let's – Let's first define expectations. Win the WCC tournament, be a number one seed, make the final four. Fair? It's all reasonable, although I'm always hesitant, and I understand most people, all that matters is where you finish in the NCAA tournament. I got it. I'm just always hesitant to, like, draw a pass-fail line Mm -hmm. at at the NCAA tournament because, you know, it's a single elimination deal where wild things can happen and often do. And so let's just go back to a few years ago. Virginia had an awesome season. They were the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. Then they lost to UMBC. Uh, So it ended badly. But that was a great season that ended badly. It wasn't a bad season. Um, So 
I guess where I would put the bar for Gonzaga as we sit here on November 2nd, um, I, I'd say, yeah, win your league comfortably and be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. If you do that, you have you have been one of the best basketball teams in the country over an extended period of time. That is what everybody thinks you should be. And then we'll see what happens in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I only bring up tournament result because, as you well know, result fair or not, and sometimes not, uh, how you perform in the tournament, it, it, it dictates how people think about your program, can dictate whether or not you have that job, get a better one, or don't have that job. So... Um, so Gonzaga in particular has now slid into it's just it's it's the school when it comes to this. Um, most reasonable, rational people who actually follow the sport know what they're talking about. Understand that Gonzaga is one of the best programs in the sport, and its conference affiliation has almost no real impact on how great the program can be. Yes, the Zags run roughshod throughout the WCC. Uh, what do you want Gonzaga to do? I'm sure if the program gets an opportunity to switch leagues and get to uh, you know a more reliable multi-bid league, um, it will strongly consider doing that. But that's not the reality in 21-22. So to circle back to your question, if it doesn't meet that, what will have happened? Let's toss injuries out, out the window because that goes without saying there. Um, other than that, I think it's it comes down to the freshman class. Chad Holmgren. You know, will he be the best, the second best, or the third best freshman in America? Because that is the expectation for him. He is in the conversation to be the number one pick. Certainly, you know, be, be a top five pick at worst. And uh, when you combine him, Nolan Hickman, the point guard, uh, Hunter Salas, uh, who's more of a lead guard, them stepping into the situation and playing real minutes, I think will be a factor. And how they do, I think, will wind up being important. If you tell me that Holmgren, Salas, and Hickman, most notably, don't wind up being uh, immediately impactful guys, don't even come close to the level that Jalen Suggs was a season ago, then I'll tell you that Gonzaga getting a number one seed uh, will certainly be in some doubt because you also got into get into the schedule aspect of it. And I've mentioned this on a previous podcast, but as a reminder, this year's non-conference schedule still has very good teams. Gonzaga will play against Texas. It will play against UCLA. It will play against Duke. It will play against Alabama and Texas Tech. Those are all very good teams. Another uh, Power Conference team, Washington, is on the docket. But what's not involved in any of those is a true road environment for Gonzaga, which means it's room for error in terms of getting a number one seed is a little less. I, they've always been able to boost their non-conference resume and their overall NCAA tournament profile because Gonzaga normally will play at least one good non-conference opponent on the road. That's not on the, the schedule this season. So if Gonzaga stumbles a little bit with its freshmen and it gets picked off once or twice in the non-con I think its overall quad one numbers are going to suffer at the end of the season, and that's why, uh, or at least that's that's the avenue I would say. I don't think it's going to happen, but if you're, you asked, and that's my answer. That's how I think we get to that point. I'm not that concerned about the youth, um, although I acknowledge it could be a factor early. Like, you know, they play Texas very early. Texas got a bunch of old dudes, and, yeah. and, and Gonzaga's probably going to start three freshmen. Now, three of the top six are probably going to be non-freshmen, are definitely going to be non-freshmen. And that is a recipe that has worked before. You know, top six, three freshmen, three non-freshmen. Kentucky won a title in 2012 with that formula. Duke won a title in 2015 with that formula. I'm not that concerned about it, although I acknowledge it could show up. And if they lose to Texas early, that might be the reason. Like Texas came in with a bunch of experienced guys who are 21, 22, 23 years old, and Gonzaga just couldn't match them physically. Um, 
I don't really have any concerns about this team. I think they're going to be great. That's why I picked them to win a national championship. But if forced to try to identify a reason why they might not, um, you know, live up to expectations, it is true that they got overwhelmed athletically by Baylor in the title game. Are they still, relatively speaking, an unathletic college basketball team? You know, they lose from their starting lineup, Jalen Suggs, Corey Kispert, Joel Ayayi. They presumably add Nolan Hickman, Hunter Salas, Chet Holmgren. Hickman is, my understanding, is an above-average athlete. Salas, my understanding, is a solid athlete, but something short of an elite athlete. And then Chet Holmgren is incredibly unique, gifted, talented, intriguing, special prospect. I'm not sure I've ever heard anybody describe him as athletic. So you could be very unathletic in the front court with Timmy and Holmgren. And then let's just say average athletically in the backcourt with Nimhard Hickman Salas. Is that something that still exposes you in a certain type of matchup? You know, whether it's in the, you know, Elite Eight, Final Four, or on that Monday night again. Uh, perhaps. Um, because that was a, a real factor in in the 2021 National Championship game. They just could not deal with Baylor's athleticism. Now, Baylor was uniquely athletic and an obviously great basketball team. And so it might take that combination to put Gonzaga in a bad spot. You can't just be athletic and average. That ain't going to do it. And you can't just be really good. You, you've got to be really good and probably really athletic. And, you know, again, just theoretically, I could see that maybe causing a problem for Gonzaga. And the problem with that causing a problem for you in that tournament is that, as you know, it's single elimination and it's over. Like, you know, you only get 40 minutes and it could all come crashing down. And Gonzaga has reached a point. This is not fair. But the Zags have reached a point as a program where it's not national championship or bust. That's not any way anybody should look at it. Every year they don't win a national championship when they on paper have a team good enough to do it is another year where people will remind you over and over again. It doesn't matter how many games they won. It doesn't matter how many good teams they beat. They still couldn't win the national championship. Gonzaga has had only team in the nation that can boast this five consecutive seasons of at least 31 wins. In fact, seven of its past nine seasons involve at least 31 victories for uh, the Bulldogs and the two that don't qualify were a 29-win season uh, and a 28-win season, and one of those included a, a trip to the Sweet 16. So, yeah, the the way these things go, it's stupid, uh, and I don't even think this is. I think this is just a, a vocal minority that I've mostly just shut out because this. Come on now, it's stupid at this point. But when you're constantly really, really, really good, and then you don't win a, a championship, uh, no matter the sport. And no matter no matter team or individual too, you'll get this occasionally. Uh, you know, for, you know, Phil Mickelson dealt with this until he finally won a major. But when you're always around, you're you know you're in the discussion, but be a team individual. Uh, but you don't win the thing, then that just becomes something that sticks to you. And now it is Gonzaga. There is uh, you know it is clearly number one with a bullet Gonzaga that 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 this applies to, and because Gonzaga is in the WCC and not a member of the PAC 12 or the mountain West or anything else. It just makes them that much easier of a target. Um, but I don't, I don't think their conference, I don't think Gonzaga's conference holds us back from winning a national championship. It's made two national championship games since, uh, 2017 and it could well make another one in 2022 to your point about the athleticism. 
It will get tested, and we will have results on this. We'll be discussing this after the first weekend of the season. Texas is filled with ridiculous athletes. UCLA, plenty athletic, and we can't wait to see that rematch there in Vegas. Then the three days after UCLA, they got to play a Duke team that will have no shortage of good athletes on it, and then they get Alabama on a Saturday, the first Saturday in December. So the first four legitimate non-conference opponents Gonzaga faces will test them and at the very least, can attest to have it, having at least as much athleticism. That's not the only thing, but I'm glad you brought that up because it was amazing. Like, when you see the way Gonzaga lost, how it lost with Baylor. Now, Baylor, Baylor was a special team. Remember, Baylor went into last season, preseason top three. And until Baylor had its pause, it was Gonzaga or Baylor who's the better team. Then Baylor had to sit for like two and a half weeks, and Gonzaga never lost a game. And so Gonzaga separated itself until we got into the Elite Eight, the Sweet 16, and then people were like, okay, is it, you know, is this really a thing now where we might have another team or two that's on Gonzaga's level. And then once Baylor won, it was, oh, of course, here we are. Um, but Gonzaga only lost once last season and it played plenty of athletic teams. I'll remind everyone of that. It lost the final game. And yes, it got rolled. Scott Drew and the Bears uh, put on an impressive, really one of the more impressive title game showings we've seen in the past 10 or 15 years. Um, but I don't know if this is going to be something that ultimately hampers Gonzaga too much. But it is certainly something worth watching as we get going next week with the season. Yeah, if, if I thought it was a deal breaker, I wouldn't have them number one in the top 25 and one projected to win the national championship. Um, this team's good enough to do it. But you know what? You mentioned they've won at least 31 games in five straight seasons. All five of those teams were good enough to do it. Yeah. All five. I mean, that's the thing that it, that just gets glossed over is that when, when people say um, Gonzaga can't win the national title, what they could have already won five. <laughs> I mean, they like, I mean, obviously they didn't and I'm not saying they had the best team um, five, you know, five years, but their average record over the past five seasons is 33 and three. Their average Ken Palm finish over the past five seasons is 3.2. Those, any of those five teams could have won the national championship. They're in a one possession game with Carolina, you know, late that you, you play that game. Miss call on the baseline. Remember the miss call. Yeah. I mean, come on. You you play that, you play that game from that moment and officiate it correctly (laughs) 10 times. They win five of them. Maybe Carolina wins five of them. So, like, just get out of here with the Gonzaga can't win a national championship. Yes, they can. They just have it. Just because you haven't done something doesn't mean you can't do it. I think I've said that before. Tied it to my in a, in my inability to have a hole in one. Still don't have one, Norlander. Yeah, that's not – it's never going to happen. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I, did, I did chip in from about 60 yards a few weeks ago. That's, that's a nice That's a nice feeling. I hope you're enjoying these still uh, mild fall days because up in Connecticut, I think my – I think I'm done until at least mid-April. Question for you. Let's predict Let's predict the record right here. All right? Let's predict Gonzaga's record. This is not regular season. This is after Gonzaga is done with its NCAA tournament play, be that one game or six games. I will. So in a normal season, you will play, uh, well, Gonzaga, I don't have it. It's either going to play 39 or 40. Because the WCC, Gonzaga gets into the semis, it might only be slotted for 39. Um, so that might be where it tops out at. I will say Gonzaga... This season will go, mark me down. I don't know where this will wind up with them finishing, but I'll, I'll go, I'll go 34 and four for the Bulldogs this season. 34 and four. That's, uh, that's, that's 38 games. That might put me having them lose in the final four, or they could, they could, they could lose in the WCC like semis, get upset and then make the title game either way. It's just, Depends so on how you so want to 30 play. games in the regular season plus two in the WCC and then wherever you got them going in the NCAA tournament. Is that what we're looking at? Yeah. The 38. That gets you to 38. 
That gets me to 38. Yeah, it gets me, yeah, it gets me them losing the title game. What about you? You I'll got go, them winning it. So you got a preseason one, which by default. Okay, I'll go 27 and three in the regular season. Plus two more wins. That's 29 and three. Plus six wins in the NCAA tournament. 35 and three national champions. There we go. 35 and three. I'm at 30. I knew we'd be close. Um, but there's really no, there's no, there's not a whole lot of wiggle room when you're no, projecting exactly. Like, you you got to get them in the 30. Unless, like, you're, going, unless you're going bold and saying back-to-back undefeated seasons, that's just absurdity. Not that it can't happen, but come on now. Cannot rationally predict that getting going into a season. If they if they get past Duke on November 26th and they're staring at only a couple more big boys, we'll, maybe well, we'll talk about it then. Yeah, like I, I do think a factor in their undefeated season, the, the main factor is that they were great. But the second factor, I think, is that you did you you didn't have normal road environments. That's you right. have to, you know, yeah. you know, like listen, they might go undefeated in the WCC again, but like they're gonna have to go to a wild BYU and a wild St. Mary's and a wild San Francisco, and it's just different when there's people there. It's just a it's a it's a different sort of challenging thing, and so th- that's probably where they end up taking. Oh, you know, they'll take a road loss here, road loss there, but. Yeah, anything less than a one seed on Selection Sunday, barring injuries like you noted, I'd, I'd be surprised. We're going to get into some other notable teams from outside of the top seven leagues next. But first, check this out. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So, Deadleg, you're actually the person who assembled the Best of the Rest preview for CBSSports.com. So, I'm going to let you handle... Uh, the heavy lifting the rest of the way. What other teams do we need to know about besides the Zags? Yeah, these are uh, these are not just teams. These are not just teams that are going to be Cinderella candidates. These are there's some teams in here outside the you know the major seven power conference structure that will have a good shot at some healthy seating uh, in the league. I'll go in order. This is uh, you, if you're listening to this now on Tuesday when it's published, you're going to be listening to this in advance of it publishing later in the week on the site and the CBS Sports app. So you're going to you're going to head start. I'm going to go in order here, uh, and I'll start with St. Bonaventure, a team Parrish and I both have ranked. Heading into the season, team that's ranked in the AP poll for the first time since 1971, and this to me is the clear best team. Not named Gonzaga, not from a power conference. Starts with 
Kyle Lofton, uh, who averaged 14 and a half points a game, five and a half assists per game. Um, they are they are terrific. They bring back all their starters, and the A10 doesn't always every single season have a team that's in that top 15 mix, but it gets one every so often. We had it with Dayton a couple years ago. This team won't be as good as that Dayton group, but as I wrote in my capsule, if everyone stays healthy, I think the Bonnie should be no worse than a six seed. I think the A-10 will be good enough overall. Bonaventure's only got two non-conference opportunities to boost their profile, which is unfortunate because they're so good, a lot of teams just didn't want to schedule them, um, which is completely lame, but completely unsurprising, I guess. Uh, they're going to play UConn on a neutral and they're going to play Virginia Tech on a neutral. Those are back-to-back games six days apart in December. But other than that, from a power conference standpoint, the Bonnies won't have anything else. Uh, but if they do run shop in the A-10, I think that they've got the uh, they've got the best chance there. The, the, the issue for them is that when you were good and everybody's back, good luck trying to schedule anything that's not already scheduled. Um, it's just the way the sport works. And what's wild is I promise you, they tried to schedule at least a program or five from every power conference and got told no, 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 no. And then it'll be those same leagues or fans of those same leagues that heading into selection Sunday will be screaming, but St. Bonaventure didn't play anybody. How can you give them a four seed? How can you give them a five seed? They haven't played any. They only play. It's, it's the, it's a trick they've been using for decades. Don't play them. Because then you can yell that they didn't play anybody. That's what the Bonnies are up against. So the truth is, and this is hard to do, um, they're going to start from a place where they're on everybody's radar. So they don't have to earn their way onto the radar. They're on the radar. Um, they, they, they've got to not take bad losses. You know, they, when you've got a schedule filled with, with you know, quadrant one opportunities, um, you can make up for bad losses. But when you don't, and they don't, um, you got to avoid the bad losses, and so that'll be the key. Just you know, avoid the major slip-ups because you can't. There's not a whole lot you're going to be able to do um, to make up for 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 slip-ups between now and March. Next team I got in line is a team that's everyone is familiar with, uh, Loyola Chicago. Now I'll get to Drake in a bit here. Drake is the pick in the official preseason league poll to win the conference. I'm going Loyola Chicago because it brings back everyone of importance except the best player, Cameron Crutwig. But, you know, Lucas Williamson is one of the elite mid-major players in the country. Now, you do have Drew Valentine, thirty years, all of 30 years old, the youngest head coach in men's Division One basketball, and he's going to guide this team. This team finished 10th at Kempom last season, famously got an 8 seed despite finishing 10th there. Um, I tell you what, you, you're the, you do what that team did a season ago, and then you come back and you see that Drake has picked ahead of you in the in, in the official poll as if Loyola Chicago needed any more kind of motivation. Now, I think I'm higher than all, the Ramblers and probably anyone. I've got them 28 in my 1-358. to 358. But, um, yeah, I think this team's going to be in the NCAA tournament. I, the, the, from a talent perspective, when you consider age, talent, everyone coming back, I just can't knock them that far. Even if you tell me they go from 10 to, to 40th, that's still going to be on an NCAA tournament level as far, far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I'm not worried about Drew's age. Um, there, there's a, a pretty significant track record of great coaches getting hired at a very young age and just, you know, becoming great coaches. Like Rick Pitino, John Calipari, 
uh, Brad Stevens, Billy Donovan. You know, the, the, my my understanding of of coaching college basketball is that the the ones who are good enough to do it, it doesn't really matter when they get hired. Um, that that they're, they're ready to go, or they're not. You know, and I'm not speaking adamantly about which one will apply to Drew. We'll see. But if he if he is unsuccessful at Loyola Chicago, I don't think it'll be because he got hired when he was too young. I think it'll be just because, you know, coaching college basketball is difficult. Following somebody like Porter is going to be difficult. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, 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 the age, the age will be talked about every time they're on TV. Yeah. I don't care about it that much. If he's got the goods, he'll do the job. I would agree with you. Loyola is not shy on wings either. They will be a fun team to watch. Number three in my list, I got Colorado State. They've got my pick for preseason Mountain West Player of the Year, David Roddy, who is kind of the do-it-all guy at the mid-major level and for that team. Uh, averaged 16 points, 9.5 boards, 2.5 assists, had a 25.5 PER last season. They've also got a good player named Isaiah Stevens. Uh, Mountain West is loaded, as you'll soon learn here as we kind of run down these teams to keep an eye on. I just go with CSU to win the conference. Now, it could I think this actually this conference has a very good chance of having two teams finish tied with the same record at the end of the at the end of the season. I think that Colorado State is going to be uh, going to be that team. And how about this? This program has never won a Mountain West regular season title has never won a conference regular season title since 1990. So I I always like seeing going into a year, you see two, four, six, eight kind of teams that seem to be set up for a lot of success. And not just that, but the kind of success that that region, that program, that fan base, that school hasn't had in literally two, three decades, four decades. Colorado State is one such program there. And we are well familiar with Mountain West teams because those games are regularly featured on CBS Sports Network. Me and Brent Stover, we watch we watch Mountain West every week. You're all up on top of it. This should be a, this should be a team I think is going to be at large worthy. We well, you know, they made the NIT semifinals and they bring you know basically every important piece back. That's sh- that's a team that should be able. You know, it's not like they just snuck into the NIT and they they were on the bubble. You know, at the mm-hmm. end of the season, regular season, um, heading into the conference tournament, and you know, then it just didn't go well, and they got you know, I think appropriately left out of the field, but when you're that close to making the field and you bring everybody back, every important piece back. Um, yeah. You're set up for a breakthrough season. That should be an NCAA tournament team. I've got Colorado state very narrowly ahead of BYU and uh, Cougars fans. You won't be involved in a podcast or on a list like this in a matter of a couple of years. Cause you're going to be in a power conference and rightfully so BYU is barely mid major by definition, as far as I'm concerned, but, yeah, we'll put them here. We've got to give them love somehow. And I think that BYU is going to make the NCAA tournament. They're going to be the best, second-best team in the WCC this season. Mark Pope is definitely a coach on the rise. BYU fans, I know you are quite happy with uh, with the coach you ended up with. After Dave Rose did such a great job for so long, Pope came in and has been able to really handle this gig with a plum. And he's just one of those coaches that's going to be in the mix for bigger jobs. Now, I don't know if he'll leave now because he's going to the Big 12. You might have been spared here. But I can just tell you, like, if BYU wins 25 games this season, they're back in the NCAA tournament, and there's a job opening, he might have an interesting and difficult decision to make there um, because I think he's doing a really good job and has been able to maintain the momentum uh, that was established for so long under Rose. Alex Barcelo is the name to know. He did squeak on, I think, 85th on our top 101 players list. I got him as a top 50 player in America. I think this guy is going to be a – I think he's going to be a stat monster. We're going to look up and be like, 
This guy's averaging 19 points, eight boards, six and a half assists. Like, if BYU can beat Gonzaga, get into that single-digit conversation, his numbers might be so good that uh, maybe kind of Dark Horse third-team All-America selection. That's that's my that's my bold prediction with uh, with BYU this season. I, I know you like Pope a lot, GP. And are you with me? I've got BYU. We're going to get St. Mary's in a second here. But I got BYU two, St. Mary's three behind Gonzaga. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that makes sense to me. Mark Pope, 23 and six in two years in WCC games. Um, would have made the tournament in 2020 if we had one. Did make it in 2021. Um, he's terrific. Yes. Um, I, I, I'm not saying he'll leave BYU for a, quote, bigger job, but I do agree with you. He's going to get offered bigger jobs. That, that's coming. He's really good. Um, Barcelo's already a stat monster. This dude shot 52.3% from the field, 47.7% from three, and 85.6% from the free throw line. Like, that's a stat monster. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I was pushing for him on the list if he eventually got there, but... I think we're just going to wind up being too low on him. And it's not just him. Like Steve Gideon and George can break out. But, yeah, he's a very, very fun player. If you aren't familiar with him, get familiar. He's he's very fun and kind of a vintage BYU guy. And BYU also adds uh, Tijan Lucas, who's a transfer from Milwaukee, who averaged 15 points and 5.8 assists per game. Um, started his career at Illinois, then transferred to Milwaukee, now at BYU. He was like, oh, no, the five-star coach's son's on his way. He'd take all the shots. I'm, I'm going to BYU. Yes. Don't ever call BYU a mid-major again. That's right. That's not a, that's not a mid-major program. I agree. I got to got to squeeze him in somewhere though. Didn't do a this WCC is, preview. Got to get him in there somehow. They've had, they've had a recent national player of the year. Yeah. They've got a big arena that they they can fill up regularly. They've had real postseason success. That this is the this is the classic case of a high major program that plays in a mid-major league. Yes, that's right. Yes, I agree with you. I agree. Like, there are mid-major programs in the WCC. Yes. And the WCC is a mid-major league, but BYU is a high-major program that happens to play in a mid-major league. Agreed. Uh, next, I have Belmont, who, hello, if you haven't been paying attention, has won 81 games the past three years under Casey Alexander. 81. Okay? Team is a monster, and they're going to be really, really good again. It was... A flat-out joke. And we didn't really get too much into this, I don't think, at the time, because we're always dealing with Selection Sunday and the tournament, so no one really cares about the NIT field. This team didn't even get invited to the NIT as a 26-4 and team last season. I mean, what are we doing here? It's a, it's a disgrace. And frankly, it's it's I was told it was a minor reason, but a reason nonetheless, like when Belmont's looking to get out of the OVC and go to the Missouri Valley, it's just stuff like that. There's no way a 26-4 and four Valley team is ever getting left out of the NIT. It's just not happening. But in the OVC, it did happen. Um... Belmont's got a couple of just dudes, man. Grayson Murphy, he another stat monster in terms of he he is a combo guard who averaged eleven points, eight rebounds as a guard, six assists, two and a half steals a game. You t- you uh, you combo him with Nick Mazinski Moose, he averaged fifteen points a game. Again, Casey runs that four out uh, offense that Rick Bird has ran at Belmont forever. Forget about it. They're going to be the best team in that conference and could have the gaudiest record of any non-Gonzaga team we talk about here. They bring so much of what they need back and will be as motivated. Every team's damn motivated. I get that. But, like, you come off a 26-4 and season and you don't play a postseason game because you didn't get invited to the NIT, let alone consider for the NCAA tournament, Belmont's not going anywhere. Yeah, the computer numbers just killed them. That was the issue. They finished 110th at Ken Palm. They beat zero top 130 teams. Um, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, 
and it's not their fault. You know, it's the league they play in. But um, and they and they didn't have much, you know, in the way of of non league scheduling. But yeah, listen, I I'm let the record show I'm in favor of any twenty six and four league at least twenty six and four team at least being invited to the NIT. Um, but I don't think it was. Uh, if you wanted to leave them out, you could point to the lack of quality wins and the computer numbers and leave them out. And that is exactly what happened. For what it's worth, they're going to start this season ranked 77th at Ken Palm. And that is 51 spots higher than anybody else in the OVC. The OVC will have some interesting teams alongside there that didn't make my list. Morehead State was good last season. I think Murray State's going to have a bounce back, but. Belmont has separated. I have Belmont as a top 40 team in America heading into the season. Next, we go back into the A-10. Richmond has two six-year guys on the roster. I haven't been able to find. We have some very smart and uh, astute, dedicated podcast listeners. There probably is another team or two out there with a couple of six-year guys, um, but two six-year starters? I don't know. They The Spiders will have that. Nick Sherrod, uh, who missed last season due to injury. Grant Golden's back. And then they got Jacob Gilliard, uh, who is uh, a fifth-year guy. Richmond's just super old. <laughs> I mean, they got two six-year guys, two five-year guys in the starting lineup. Jacob Gilliard's one of the best mid-major players in America. Wonderful, wonderful defender there. And this has kind of got to be it for Chris Mooney. They, they had a good start last season, and then... You know, COVID pauses, injuries, the whole deal. It just didn't go the way that we thought it was going to go. Because remember, they started particularly well. Now, the, no more no more excuses here. Um, you got to get there. The, Richmond as a program would have been good enough to make the 2020 NCAA tournament, but was on the cut line. Don't know for sure whether or not it would have been in or not. Um, so the last tournament appearance was 2011. 29-8 that season. And Mooney has the dudes to do it. Got to get it done. No excuse not to. They are clearly good enough. The A-10 is not going to be a one-bid league. Richmond should be the second-best team in the conference to St. Bonaventure. Yeah, they got off to that start last 4-0 start with a win over Kentucky, but we found out subsequently the win over Kentucky meant nothing. Everybody beat Kentucky last season. But, um, yeah, so, they, but, so where we were on November 29, 2020, on the day that they beat Kentucky, uh, ended up looking quite differently you know, two, three months that's later. Like, that's like getting Amazon stock at some absurd price. And you're like, holy crap, I can't believe it. Oh, two months later, Amazon's folded as a company. Like, what is a win over Kentucky at Kentucky ever not worth anything? That last year was the only time ever. Poor yeah, it, 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 you had that moment. In the moment, it felt great. I, uh, I remember even texting with Chris after that game. And because, you know, the guys were obviously fired up. It was a big win on national television. And then Kentucky stinks. And, it you know, that win doesn't help you at all. Um, they return four guys, Richmond does, who averaged at least 12 points per game. That's pretty uncommon year to year. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. That, that, that projects for me as a likely NCAA tournament team. Another situation in which uh... – it's been seamless in terms of coaching transition. We talked about it with BYU. We talked about it with Belmont. San Diego State clearly applies. Steve Fisher was there uh, for so long, and Brian Dutcher was the coach in waiting forever. He takes over, and the program hasn't dipped whatsoever. Uh, this is a preseason projected top two team in the Mountain West, and you get Matt Bradley from Cal, who is expected to be uh, you know, a huge impact guy. Matt Bradley, mostly anonymous to college basketball fans because he played on a bad team. Cal's never, like, you never see him on television. But a really, really good player who I think will have some immediate impact. And then they bring back the likes of Nathan Mensah, Trey Pulliam. They have enough here, and I think they'll be a really good defensive team. The Mountain West 
is positioned. I actually think the West Coast is going to have a nice season overall. Pac-12, we'll see how many bids they get, but Pac-12 combined with uh, a really, really strong WCC and then a Mountain West that I think is going to be in the conversation for at least four bids. San Diego State will be in the, uh, in the thick of that. Um, this is a program that's averaged uh, finishing 53rd at Ken Palm in Dutcher's uh, four seasons there. I got them about there overall projected as well. I just don't have any... like This team, this program... No matter if it's losing, because it seems to be losing like at least one key guy every single season, right? But there's just, there's been no drop off. So just mark me down for the Aztecs, you know, around Valentine's Day, still being like, yeah, they could be first, second, or third in the league. And I'd be surprised if they weren't in one of those three spots. Yeah, they, they've, they've gone 53 and seven the past two seasons, back to back, back to back Mountain West Conference champs. And so. You could pick against him if you want to, but I'm going to keep riding with him. And I'm not saying Matt Bradley is Malachi Flynn because he's not, but he did average 18 points per game in the Pac-12 for a bad team, but still he has averaged 18 points in uh, a high major league. And I'd be surprised if he's not, you know, getting buckets pretty consistently uh, for San Diego state. And again, until somebody can remove them as the Mountain West conference champs, I'll just continue to believe that, you know, they're going to be that for the third time in a row. You're going to see how we've got, uh, we've really got a cluster here of Mountain West teams, and that includes Nevada, which I'm, I guess I'm the, I'm not the most skeptical of this team. We're going to get to five Mountain West teams. This is the third one here. Um, I might be a little bit lower than others on Nevada. Grant Shurfield returns preseason Mountain West player of the year. He was uh, 18.6 assists last season. And is a really quality player. He transferred from Wichita State. They also bring back Desmond Cambridge, Warren Washington. That's good. I think, to me, the key, though, is Will Baker, Texas transfer. I'm including Nevada in this list because I think he's going to work there. And if he does, here's another team. See, the Mountain West is a little bit like what we talked about on our SEC preview. If you haven't listened, scoot on back. It's right below this one in your feed. And uh, and listen to what we talked about at the top of that league. I think that league, the SEC in this in this conference right here, the Mountain West, have the best chance at having four teams competitively in the mix to win the league. Colorado State, San Diego State, Nevada might be in there, and you'll have to wait and hear on the next team as well. So we'll see. Steve Alford's done well for himself. I think we need another year or two before we really go all in on this idea that Steve Alford got a, a, you know, a successful huge reboot on his coaching career after things really fizzled in an ugly way at UCLA. But he's done well there, and this does seem like a... a a good spot for him, and if you're Nevada, you and a Nevada fan over the past you know near 20 years, you just expect to be in the NCAA tournament conversation minimally once every three years. I think that's a fair statement to say, and that's where Alfred still has this program right now. Yeah, Sherfield and Cambridge combined to average 34.9 points per game last season. That is one of the most productive returning backcourts in the entire country. Huge, and they will be a very fun team to watch. Um, I look forward to, I, I always enjoy once we're in the season, to be honest, this is just a college hoops nerd in me, but getting those Mountain West games on CBS Sports Network at 11.45 at night, because as you well know, when you're sitting in that studio with, with Stover and, and everyone else, like, I don't know, there's something about those gyms, Parrish. Like, they, you get some ridiculous, you know, sequences, games, some some real fun stuff there, and I think with the teams at the top, we're, uh, we're due for some more good stuff. Um, we'll move along. St. Mary's is the next team I have here. How can you not? First of all, I didn't realize this until I researched it for the story. I knew Randy had been there a while. Randy Bennett is now in his 21st season in Moraga. 
There, there was a time where it was like, you know, what's his next job going to be? That was a constant conversation. And he would be involved with this job and be involved with that job. Now it looks like he's probably just going to retire at St. Mary someday. Probably so. And, um, yeah, in that way, it's it's kind of like Mark Fewish, except with all with all the accolades and high NCAA tournament seeds and Final Four appearances. But he's done. Listen, they are clearly still a foil to Gonzaga in that league, and to maintain that status is not an easy thing to do. Uh, last season was a dip, um, wasn't you know a top 100 team, but prior to that, St. Mary's had 29, 29, 30, 22, and 26 wins. Everyone is back on this team, the entire roster. Uh, Pertorvik only St. Mary's, Arkansas State, and Lehigh. Have everyone back, 100% of all returning minutes. I have to rank St. Mary's as a top 10 non-major 17 based on that alone. They've been too good. Um, give them their love. This is, again, why the WCC, I think, is going to be is going to be stacked and loaded. Well, uh, they're, they're ranked 42nd at Kempom, and that means the WCC has four top 42 teams. Yeah. And like the, Amer- the American only has two in yeah. the top 59. And the WCC has four in the top 42. So as we preview these leagues and we said, I was very careful in the way I phrased it. Um, what are typically the seven best leagues in the country? Um, and that included the American over the WCC. The reason I phrased it that way is because um, there's some evidence to suggest that won't be the case this season, that the WCC will be among the seven best leagues in the country and the American could slip right out despite um, the likelihood of Memphis and Houston both being really, yeah. really good. Something to keep an eye on for sure there. Uh, the WCC could be strong enough. We'll get to another one of those teams that's absurdly highly ranked. I don't get it at all, but I do think they'll be one of the 15 best teams. Our next team comes from the MAC, though, the lone MAC representative. It is your Buffalo Bulls who have been relevant, uh, not just in the MAC, but in the mid-major spectrum since the latter stages of the Bobby Hurley tenure. The Nate Oates did what he did. And now we look up and we see what Jim Whitesell's been able to do. He's got one of the best one-two front court combinations in all of mid-major college basketball. Jonathan Williams and Josh Mbala are fabulous. Uh, Mbala is just... Mbala is one of the better rebounding guys in all of America, certainly at the mid-major level. Williams, when I was talking to some Mac coaches building out the 1-358, to 358, uh, two of them had mentioned to me, man, Williams, I tell you, that guy, like, he approaches... He's like, this is uncommon at the mid-major level in terms of when I see how he approaches the game, pre, pre-game warm-ups, how he composes himself, it's like he approaches it like a straight-up pro. It is just steady, 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 dedication, never talks back to the officials, is always focused there, has a wonderful, wonderful reputation there. Buffalo to me. Now, Ohio is not on my list. Lost Jason Preston, went to the tournament last season. Preston went off and uh, rightfully got drafted into the NBA. If he was back, Ohio would would be honestly probably top five because Preston was that that magical of a player there. I lean Buffalo in the MAC, but Ohio fans, I hear you. If you feel like your team deserves to have this spot there, I just tend to lean Buffalo because I think it's got the best three-man attack with Mbala, Williams, and then uh, Ronaldo Segu at, uh, at running the point there. So that's number 10 team in my countdown. Yeah, Buffalo, um, you know, is the highest rated MAC team at, at Ken Palm in the preseason, just ahead of Ohio and Toledo, but still ahead of Ohio and Toledo for whatever that's worth. Next in line is another Mountain West team, uh, and it's got one of the crazier coaching changeups of all the of all the hirings here. So I got Utah State here. Justin Bean returns. He is my pick for Dark Horse Mountain West Player of the Year. Uh, real quality player. This is Ryan Odom 
from UMBC who took this job and you know I think I you know I think he was right to take the job but I also think this is one of those situations where you're at UMBC you made the NCAA tournament once you provided you know, a top 25 all-time highlight in the history of that event. I mean, you're the first 16 to ever beat a one. You beat Virginia, the number one overall seed. I mean, come on now. You can argue that's top 10 ever. Like, we've been waiting forever to happen. He was the coach when it happened. And you don't know when you're going to get back to the tournament. So, um, you know, Odom's not from the area. He's obviously father coach at Wake Forest. And he's he's from that, you know... He's he knows the the Maryland Virginia Carolina area like that's that's home base for him. But you get an opportunity in a multi bid league, you got to take it there. I would think that Utah State will be in the mix. I don't think it's going to be the best team in the Mountain West, but um, there is enough there for me to uh, to include them here. And there's a drop off at Ken Palm preseason rankings. We will get to Boise State, but I've got Boise State behind Utah State. Ken Palm has Utah State fifth, along with San Diego State, Nevada, Colorado State, and Boise as, you know, top five in the Mountain West. The other thing that gives Ryan uh, an opportunity to succeed at Utah State immediately is he did something that would have been completely frowned upon 15 years ago, but it's just totally normal now. He brought players with him. He brought RJ Idlerock. And Brandon Harvath, I don't average 14.3 points, shot 40% from three. So he's bringing two guys from UMBC who have a chance to help him in, in year one at Utah State. Next, we're going to get to that WCC team, San Francisco. GP, where is San Francisco ranked at Ken Palm in the preseason rankings? These are the San Francisco Dons. The school of Bill Russell hasn't made the tournament in decades. Where are they ranked? 34th at Ken Palm. What the hell's going on? I like. I think San Francisco is going to be good. There's no shot in hell this team is going to be a top forty team in America. <laughs> I I don't get it. I well, like there's other teams that were good last season, return everybody, and they don't really improve much in Kim Palm's preseason ratings. And then there's San Francisco, which um, finished eighth in the WCC last season. Like they opened. You remember how they opened? Yeah, I was there. Of course. How'd they open? Beat Virginia, baby. That's not how they open. That's okay. what they did. That's what they did two days after they opened. UMass Lowell. They lost to Elvis Presley's alma mater in the season opener. That's right. And then lost um the final six games of the regular season. There's a long COVID pause in there. You know, you can you can uh, assign some of the downward turn, perhaps all of the downward turn to that. But you know, still, this team finished eighth in WC in the WCC. It's not like they went out and rolled you know, number one recruiting class or anything like that. I don't understand it. I don't need to understand it. Um, I just, I, I am aware of it. They're 34th preseason Kim Palm a year after fitting, finishing eighth in the WCC. They got a pair of just wonderfully fun players. Jamari Bouye, Khalil Shabazz. They're awesome. But Ken Palm's uh, database goes all the way back to the 96, 97 season. If you really look at a team page, the team's best finish ever at Ken Palm was 61 in 1998, the 34th start of the season. We'll wait and see. I, I think they're going to the NIT, but there's. I think they're going to be in the conversation and maybe, maybe break through. We'll have to uh, wait. And, we'll have Perhaps to. we're underestimating the addition of Patrick Tate. Perhaps, perhaps we are. Todd Golden, by the way, 36 years old and uh, in his third season with the Dons. There, Darian DeVries's Drake Bulldogs are next. He's 70 and 29 at this program, which had basically no basketball prestige before he got there. They bring back a ton. Again, preseason favorite uh, per the league's official uh, rankings heading into the season there. 
they, they get Roman Penn back. Remember, Tank Hemphill went out. He missed nine games in February, March of last season. Drake wound up making it into the NCAA tournament anyway. Uh, if you watched this team last season... It weirdly had like a terrible game against Loyola Chicago that we all look forward to. But if you actually watched them play, like it was a legit team and it will be a legit team again. I am open to the idea that I might be a little bit low on Drake. I get that. Um, But then again, you know, where I have Drake ranked is I think coincidentally enough, one spot off of the Ken Palm preseason ranking. So overall, I think a top 75 team within the context of this, I've got them as the uh, as the 13th best non-Gonzaga, non-Major 7 team. They lose Joseph uh, Yosefu. That's a significant loss, but uh, yeah, should still be good at the only school ever named after a hip-hop star. There we go. Final two. Boise State is next for me. How about this? A little surprised by this. Just two NCAA tournament appearances for Boise State since Leon Rice got this job in 2010. That lower than you would have expected? That was surprising. That surprised me when I went and kind of checked in. If you told me only twice since 2010. Well, he made it twice in his first five seasons, and it hasn't been back since 2015. Right. And I thought that team last season had a chance to get there with Derek Austin. Right. I thought about him today for the first time in a year. Familiarizing yourself. We love it. He's no longer on the team, but hey. No, I, I know, but so they lose yeah. him, and I was like, hey, whatever happened to him? Because I just remember constantly thinking, man, he looks like a pro. It, it's just a reminder how hard it is to get in that league. Like, he was with the Jazz, got waived right before the season started. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know what he's doing now. Yeah, no, it, 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 that's it's just it, it's just so difficult, you know when when people start throwing around that he's a pro label. Mm. Now, if you want to if you want to define that literally, like he's right. a pro in in Puerto Rico, you know, yeah. he's a, he, fine, okay. But like typically, what people when they say he's a pro, they mean NBA player. Yeah, and I'd say about ninety percent of the people who get called a quote pro at the collegiate level. They're not actually NBA players, and you know I'm not saying Derek Austin can't get there, but he, he's he's not there at this moment. Boise State has averaged 19.7 wins a year under Leon Rice. I think it will be, you know, comfortably in the conversation uh, as a top five team in the league. I wouldn't pick it to win the conference, although I don't know. We'll uh, we'll see. They just need an alpha to emerge. Uh, my last team, you know, unfortunately our Billikens aren't on this. Billikens would have been higher up, but. Javante Perkins is out for the season with a with a torn ACL. That's why he didn't make our top 101 players list. And now I had to bump the Billikens down. But I kind of wrestled with what team I should put in that final spot. And to be honest, I gave the benefit of the doubt to the A-10 on the whole. Because to me, if you're talking, if you even want to include Gonzaga and go with the Sweet 16 group of, of squads here, most seasons the A-10 is going to be able to claim at least three of those 16 spots, right? So I did put another A-10 team in, and I will lean... VCU, based on program prestige, Mike Rhodes is a very good coach. Now, they lose Bones Highland. That's massive. First-round NBA pick. Um, one of the few to emerge out of that program and, and wind up being drafted. So a lot is going to change there. But, hey, Vince Williams is back. Levi Stocker, the third, it returns. I'm just going to side with VCU being in the mix, top three, top four. If you wanted to give me Davidson, I'm all ears on it. I'm just going to lean VCU in this spot. What an awful offseason for VCU. So they lose Bones Highland to the NBA draft early, but like whatever. He's a yes. legitimate NBA prospect. You're going to lose those guys. Just because you're at VCU doesn't mean you, you know, we, 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 we assume every year that Duke is losing guys and Kentucky's losing guys and 
whoever's losing guys because they, they're they're projected NBA players. Well, like you, VCU, you had one, Bones Island. He's in the NBA. So I think the first round pick. He's a pro. So he's a pro. So you lose him, rough, massive, but unsurprising. Then Ace Baldwin ruptures his Achilles mm-hmm. in late May. So how about this? You lose Bones Highland, still bring him back four of the top five scores from an NCAA tournament team that didn't play in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> we, I know. Terrible. But, you know, yeah. Yeah. They didn't even get that opportunity, but they are an NCAA tournament team, even though they didn't play in the NCAA tournament. So you're still bringing back four of your top five. Then Ace Baldwin ruptures his Achilles in late May. He was the starting point guard last season, fourth leading scorer. They're still leaving open the the possibility that he'll play this season, but like uh, that's not really how I understand ruptured Achilles to work. It, it you know it, rupture it late May, be back in February. Uh, the, the timetable seems a little off, but we'll see. So certainly starting the season without him, and if they get him, it you know well, who knows what it'll even look like. And then Jameer Watson tears his ACL in the preseason. He was the third leading scorer last season. So even without Bones Highland, could have brought back four of the top five scores. Now, it's just two of the top five because of these stupid injuries. That's rough. And I'm. this is a dart throw. We'll see. Um, but Rhodes is a really good coach. He has a very strong staff. So I lean, uh, I lean VCU. And that's that. Those are, the, those are the top 15, sweet 16, if you want to throw in Gonzaga. Just teams that heading in. The, and what's going to be so fun about the season as it is every single year. Like, no one had Drake being undefeated more than halfway through the season last season. We will have surprises. There will be some real Cinderella teams that emerge. Loyola Marymount's a team we didn't mention in the WCC that I think can be uh, that I think can be pretty good. The Ivy League returns after not having any hoops at all last season. Will Yale be the kind of team that can that can emerge there and be a, be a team to watch? They would have been, you know, in a, in a top 20 or so uh, from me. But we'll we'll have to wait and see uh, what else what else happens and. We are, it's Tuesday. The ones that got on this early, it's Tuesday. That means the season starts in one week. Only a few more podcast episodes to go before we are actually fully back in it. But I uh, hope you enjoyed the league previews and it got you amply excited for, uh, for what I think is going to be just great to have games back with fans in the stands. We're almost there. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to LJ Cryer, current legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys and gals for listening once again to the Island College Basketball Podcast in the middle of what is undeniably the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate it. It really does help. So um, when you subscribe, make sure to rate it and review it. Five stars, nice comments. Thank you in advance. We'll talk to you again real soon. Till then. Take care. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do averaging 29 and 11. God, shit. What'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.